you don't have to stay paralyzed. Wenn du erlaubst, so dreh du gar nicht If you've got diabetes, wenn du hast Zuckersüchtigkeit, with the doctors it's impossible. Wenn du im Vorlegenen unmöglich. But with Dr. Jesus it's easy. Man der Einkett von Dr. Jesus. He heals you. Han hat mir das. He wants to give you sight. Haben wir jeder Sehen. He wants to give you power. Haben wir jeder Kraft. And number three. Und du machst ihm auch gut. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus name. I believe you are curing the people. So. More than 132,000 people have been diagnosed with the disease in the United States. Nearly 81,000 have died. Because we are doing this thing. We are finally doing this thing. Are we actually on the air? Does that actually happen? Dark Entries Goth Radio is actually on the air uh, for the first time in a few weeks. Getting a slight late start. Uh, had some access issues. And uh, But we're doing it. We are here. And we've got a very special edition of the show tonight, kids. Because World Goth Day is on Monday. And uh, tonight's show... We're doing uh, some special sets for that in the second half of the show. But in the first half, I got to speak to Sam Rosenthal, the legendary Sam Rosenthal of Project Records and Black Tape for Blue Girl. I'll be playing that interview coming up in just a second. It's 163 days until Halloween. But this is Dark Entries Gov Radio. Will you stay with me? 
All right, kids, we are back. Dark Entries Goth Radio is on your radio, and I'm um, your host, DJD, and you're listening to WSC 90.5 FM Columbia. Uh, first time in a few weeks we've been off, actually. A lot of things have just kind of happened. Summer schedule switched over. Um, I went and did some shows and uh, was out of town and all that kind of thing. But we are back with Tales to Tale because the World Goth Day edition of the show is on. Uh, World Goth Day is on Monday, this coming Monday. And uh, we just kicked the show off with some Kyla Mikla, and I've definitely got some Kyla Mikla stuff to talk about because I saw Kyla Mikla. <laughs> I'm so jazzed. I'm still jazzed about it. Anyone who knows me for five minutes knows how big of a Kyla Mikla fan I am. And, uh, and I got to see them in Charlotte. Uh, a few weeks ago, opened up for uh, Vila Velo um, slash him, which or H I M, which I honestly for you kids who were really into the goth emo scene in the early two thousands, like in high school, maybe would definitely know who that is. I I knew of him. I honestly was not a fan. It's not that I didn't like him. I just never really checked him out, and uh, it's it's one of those weird blind spots for me. So I uh, I never really checked it out. And the first, literally, the first time I ever heard the music was at the show. Um, which was just a couple weeks ago, and it was pretty good. I gotta say, I, I could see the appeal. Like I got it. And so here's how it went down. I'm gonna keep this brief because I got some big stuff to get to in just a second. So I, I get there. I, I had to work the day, day job that day. I get off. I, I I get home, take a shower, everything, then race up to Charlotte and uh, try to get myself a good hour to you know lead time because I was like, oh, okay, I want to get in the club. I want to get a good spot. I want to get up close because my girls are playing. My girls are opening up for him. I'm really, honestly, only there to see Kyle Miklo. Obviously, I'm going to stick around for the whole show, but that's the reason I was there. And so I wanted to get right on the rail, like, you know, up close, up, you know, front, so that I could, you know, sing along in my terrible Icelandic, um, as I've been talking about in the show for a while, and walk in. And let me tell you, <laughs> the Vila Velo kids who were there to see him, uh, they didn't mess around. They beat me to the punch. They were, I mean, that place was packed, and uh, there was no getting on the rail, that's for sure. So uh, I uh, I made my way to the side. This is at the Underground in Charlotte. So I, I don't know if you guys know that club if you're, if you're from the area. So they have it sort of partitioned off. So you have the rail in the front, and then on either side of the main sort of floor area, there are sort of metal sort of partitions. And so I see that, and then I see up in the very front, as close as you can get to the, to the, the front rail, like I'm talking like on the stage, in that tiny little corner, there's an open spot. So I make my way down there. I get in that little corner. And so this is like, you know, if I'm looking at stage to the far right, as far as you can get right up at the speakers, I'm standing at that corner, right? So not on the rail, but pretty much as, as close to the rail as you can get um, without actually being on it because I'm over in the corner. So uh, I do that. And these really, these two really cool people, these nice people were sat, were, were stood next to me. I'm forgetting their names right now, but uh, they were incredibly cool when they were like, they could see that I was really into the opener band. They were obviously there for Villa Bello. And I was singing along, and they were like, how do you know these people? How do you know who this is? I'm like, yeah, this, they're literally like almost my favorite band in the whole world next to The Cure. And uh, and they were like, who are they? I'm like, it's Kyle Amiga. And so I, I actually showed them like my, my, my personal Facebook page, and on the on the banner of my personal Facebook page, Facebook page is actually Kyle Amiga. And they're like, wow, that's your favorite band. I was like, well, next to The Cure, yeah, I probably are. And so I was I was singing along to almost every song in like terrible, broken Icelandic and really getting into it. And she goes, you know what? Scoot up as far as you can get. I want you to have your moment. She's like, it's like, you're clearly here for this. And let me tell you, that crowd did not deserve my girls. They did not deserve Kyle Mikla because they were not into them as much as I was. They were dead. I saw one guy dead center in the front rail who was kind of getting into it. Um, but they weren't there for them. They didn't care about them. And I was the one goober, the one weirdo off to the corner just losing his mind every time a song came along. And I was... I was literally screaming along to Solskjaer, and if you know the song, you know what I'm talking about at the end. I mean, you literally scream along to the song. 
And so I was waiting for my moment. I was waiting for that song to play so I could literally scream along. And um, I, uh, apologies to the lady who was uh, actually right in front of me because she kept covering her ears every time I was doing it. So, so anyway, it was it was a great time, but I, I really wish I could have gotten closer. I could have gotten actually so they could have actually seen me so they would have known that there was at least one guy there um, who showed up in his Kyle and Meekla t-shirt <laughs> to the club, the band that he was going to see. I pulled that move. And uh, their super fan actually did show up. I hope they were actually at least able to like hear me screaming, like you know, I love you. <laughs> so anyway, that's that happened. Um, but it is, it's uh, it's it's close to uh, it's it's eight thirty ish, and so we got a lot of show to do. And like I said, this is the World Goth Day edition of the show, and uh, to celebrate that. We kicked it off with Mikhail Migla, and uh, in the second half of the show, I'm going to work in a Batcave set of just nothing but classic Batcave bands, and then after that, we're going to finish strong with a new release set of just all new releases, including Belgrado. I can't believe Belgrado actually put out a full-length album, so uh, that's uh, that's coming up, and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. The Invitation is going to get worked in there. Uh, Blood Ceremony, Blood Ceremony just put a new album out, so I'm going to finish with that. So that's going to be the second half, but in the first half, kids, guess what? Just the other day, and if you saw, if you follow me on the socials, you know this already. Uh, just the other day, I had a really cool interview with uh, Sam Rosenthal, the legendary Sam Rosenthal, who's the founder of Project Records, one of the most important record labels in the scene, and also uh, one of the founding members of Black Tape for Blue Girl. Uh, and I got to sit, I got to actually have a conversation with him for about half an hour or so. So I'm going to play that right now, and then we're going to finish that up with uh, actually a set of Project Labels Records, I'm sorry, Project Records artists, including Black Tape for Blue Girl. Uh, we're also wearing some Unto Ashes in there and some, uh, well, I'm not going to spoil all of it, but that's a really cool set coming up after that. So uh, I'm not going to waste any more time and talk because uh, that's what you came to hear. You came to hear Sam, not me. So let's do this. Uh, here's the interview. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and hit play on it. It's about 20-something minutes long. And sit back, relax, listen to that. When we come back, we're going to knock out a, uh, a uh, Project record set. And then uh, Words of Wisdom from Uncle Charlie and more show after that. Dark Entries Goth Radio is on your radio. And here we go. All right, I'm joined here with Sam Rosenthal from Project Records and Black Tape for Blue Girl and a lot of other really cool things that I guess we'll talk about. Um, so thanks for thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Hey, yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, is this a busy time right now for you? Yeah, so Project is keeping busy. We have like a release a week right now, a lot of them in the ambient and electronic world, and it's great to have a lot of music coming out. Oh, nice. So let's, uh, I tell you what, uh, let's back up a little bit. And I know all about you because I've been listening to, uh, you know, Black Tape for Blue Girl and some other projects for years. I've been a big fan since the 90s. And I play you on the show all the time. But uh, I'll let you, in your own words, sort of give us the, the, the quick rundown of uh, sort of your, your backstory and how the band started and how you started the record label. Sure. Way back when I was making a fanzine in the early part of the 80s, I believe the first cassette was probably July of 1983. And then February of 84, I put out the cassette of my own music, which was at that point, it was instrumental electronic music. And so I think there was maybe eight cassettes of my music, another compilation, an LP of my music. And then in 86 is when Black Tape for Blue Girl started. And it started as a band versus the previous music because I was working with Oscar on vocals and some other people involved at that time. And it just felt like it wasn't the same anymore and it needed a band name. So the Black Tape for Blue Girl, the Rope album, one side had vocals and one side was mostly ambient instrumentals. And so that was sort of 
a new beginning in a way. That's cool. I first heard it um, with Across a Thousand Blades, um, uh-huh. which was on a comp. I want to say maybe Gothbox. Yeah. I was buying up comps like crazy back then. I think that I could be wrong. But I think that was it. Yeah. There was a version on Gothbox. Yeah. It was a, a remix. And then I finally did what is the final, final remix when I reissued Ashes of the Brutal Air a few years ago. And it now sounds the way I want it to sound. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. I, I, the early days of the show, the show's been on since about 97. But in the early days, uh, around that time, late 90s, early 2000s, I played the hell out of that. And I was terrible about not moving on to any other songs. <laughs> I'd get hung up on one or two, and uh, you know, once every uh, three, four months, I'd, I'd throw it on, and that would be the, the go-to black tape song. Cool. Sure. Well, um, it is, you know, the most goth rock song from the band, yeah. I would think. So it makes sense. It's all great. Which kind of transitions to actually where the next person I wanted to go to, which is influences in general. Who do you like? Well, you know, when I was starting out, I was listening to a lot of soft cell, which. I don't think you hear it really in the music that I do. I like Mark Allman's very melodramatic vocals. And I think that's where there's a similarity and that I was writing things for Oscar that were, you know, dramatic. I can and, see it. I can see that. Yeah. 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 So even though Soft Cell was, you know, more synth pop, Mark Allman, yeah. especially in like Mark and the Mambas and his solo stuff, he would get very, at times he would get very dark. And um, mm-hmm. the final Soft Cell album is pretty dark. And then... I was also listening to Dead Can Dance, Cocktail Twins, Brian Eno, and I think, you know, those might be more references people would catch right away, but I do think there's some of the drama of other performers, too. Yeah, I think some people will be surprised at how um, some of those guys that just had one hit sort of sent the upbeat wonders, I guess, on, on mainstream radio that that some of those records were kind of dark by some of those bands. I mean, like you said, Soft Cell and Modern English, especially. Like their, uh-huh. their first album is fantastic and gets played on the show occasionally. I mean, I put it out right up there with any other sort of synthy dark wave album. And everyone just knows them for like Melt With You. That first album is pretty dark. Yeah. And, and Mark Almond, I think, has what, 15, 20 solo albums after Soft Cell. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's got a career and there's um, Mother Fist is pretty bleak. I enjoy it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, just the other day, he played, he did a uh, collaboration uh, that played the other day with, um, with Andy Sex Gang from Sex Gang. They uh-huh. did a track together. Yeah. Uh, what was the name of that one? I'm trying to remember which one that um, was. The Hungry Years. Uh huh. Yeah. And he has like Matt Johnson from the The, and he has stuff with Fetus. We just passed, I guess, the halfway to Halloween mark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's ever too early to talk about Halloween. I think we're going to link it to the VR. Just in general, like in your, I guess, in your outside of work private life, is that something you sort of do a lot with? I mean, well, what's your standard uh, Halloween night go-to? Oh, yeah, I don't I don't know if I do much. <laughs> it's somewhere, I think, I don't know, maybe last year I watched Alice Cooper, Welcome to My Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> For a lot. I'd never seen it, so it was like, oh, okay, there's that. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm the most spooky of goths. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I actually was going to be another question I've got. I got a whole list here. Um, I actually kind of when i talk about you know uh, the label and specifically the band and i sort of you know talk to people who just don't know anything about you know these sort of genres i kind of refer to you guys as the definition of dark wave right up there with like clan of zymox those are the two big ones sort of black tape slash project in general and then also clan of zymox are sort of 
just for me, the, the big ones, you know, when I, when I try to think of what that sound is. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of wondering what you think about that label, you know, and, and even just the label of goth in general, because it's, it's such a big umbrella, just the G word. I think it's funny that, you know, bands like Specimen get lumped in with bands like BNV Nation. And it's the same crowd showing it to, two, to those, both those bands and they couldn't sound any more different from each other. So just, I was just kind of wanting to get your thoughts on like the goth label in general and what you think of the label Dark Wave. Yeah, I mean, because I think the goth label is, to me, more the rock band sound, Bauhaus, Susie, The Cure, you know, bands mm-hmm. that are still a traditional band lineup, where Dark Wave, to me, is more diverse. It doesn't need to be a rock band. And I started using Dark Wave for the mail order catalog, I don't know, 94-ish, maybe? Um, just I thought of what's a better umbrella term for all the different things that we were carrying we were carrying cold beat industry label from germany called hyperium test records from santa barbara and so it wasn't just any one very very small specific part of the genre and so i thought it would be a better overall term just dark wave it could be anything it could be you know it could be bnb nation it could be front 242 or it could be jorge reyes from mexico it could be a variety of things that's really it's kind of like um it's like post-punk I think that that started that label kind of started out being a specific thing, and now it's it kind of gets thrown around a lot to kind of almost any band that's influenced by the Cure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then there's like Cold Wave or Minimal Synth, which is when it gets a little bit more to the electronic side of things. But mm-hmm. some of those bands, to me, sound post-punk, or some of the post-punk bands sound more Minimal Synth. So it can get really, you know, fine-toothed definitions of things. So I think it helps people just get an idea of where th- music is at. And it, it's hard to be exact, you know, dead can dance as goth, I guess. But, you know, as far as instrumentation after maybe the first album, it's not very much like Bauhaus at all, you know? Yeah, not at all. Yeah, they you get into that sort of other subgenre of pagan meditation music or something, you know, where you get, kind of get into like Faith in the Muse and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, I kind of lump all those bands together, you know, I did kind of dance faith in the muse and uh, to some extent like Incubus Succubus, you know, when you get into like the pagan area. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, they, they kind of go well together in little sets. And and that's, that's something that I like is is that, you know, that under the umbrella, that there are all those little sub sounds. And it's weird how that happened. I mean, the genre never really intended to, you know, it was never meant to happen in the first place. I don't think it's funny how it just sort of sprung up. And then now we have a million little subgenres within it, you know, and, and the same crowd shows up to all these shows. <laughs> and they all, you still just going to see a black at all of them, you know, and the bands don't even sound anything alike. They don't necessarily have enough followers for the very, very micro genre, but you put them all together and you have enough people to support it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's, it's what I love about the genre, actually. It's one of the things I love is that there's, there's kind of something there for everybody. Yeah, and with the project, I mean, Love Lies Crushing is nothing like Voltaire, but they're both kind of dark and there's, you know, some, some, some aspect must cross over. How did, um, alternative rhythms get started? Oh man. I was doing a, like a three page Jethro Tull fanzine when I was, I don't know, 14 or 15. <laughs> and then, you know, it sort of evolved out of that after a while. And then I started meeting local bands who were, I don't know, new wave punk, uh, some electronic and so I just sort of started writing more about the local bands instead of bigger bands and then some friends started writing for it we'd go to shows 
you know, we we get into bars when we were sixteen because I was making a fanzine, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to guess the final issue maybe had twenty five thousand copies. I was in South Florida, and then they were also up into Georgia where they got distributed, and it was it was a free thing that we left at record stores. Wow, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. You read right that you actually interviewed uh, Robert Fripp. You know, I, I did an interview Robert Fripp. A guy in Atlanta did. Um, I I interviewed Frank Zappa though for it. Wow, wow. And I I I recently put that the audio of that on YouTube of my interview with him. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I, I'm a outside of you know the sort of darker stuff. I'm also a big prog nerd, and <laughs> um, and King Crimson is literally one of my favorite bands of all time. So that was a. When I got to see them a couple of years ago, that was literally one of the one of the best shows I've ever been to in my life. It was their final tour. So, um, was Adrian still singing? Uh, no, no, oh. no. He's he's been gone for a long time. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. One of the drummers um, was fantastic. His name escapes me right now. It wasn't Bill Bruford. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a guy, a sort of newer guy that's been playing with him for a while. But uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, they had two drummers. They had um, you know, of course, a giant lineup. The bassist, whose name I can't remember now, has been with him forever. He was he was there. Tony Levin? Yeah, Tony Levin. And uh, yeah, yeah, final tour ever, supposedly. So I, I can't believe I was lucky enough to do it. In New York. So it was probably 2008 or something. Ah, gotcha. And um, I think it was only a four-piece at that time, and Adrian was singing. Wow, that's amazing. I think he's doing a thing with um, with uh, Bauhaus tour. No, no, I'm wrong. David Bowie tour. Yeah, but that fell apart or something. Oh, really? I think it didn't happen in America, but it was uh, a Bowie thing with Peter Murphy singing. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I remember seeing the announcements months ago, but I, I didn't know, what, and I haven't heard anything about it in a while. So, yeah. I, I think it. I think it didn't happen, but not because there was an interest. I just the other day saw one of my favorite bands of all time, Kyle and Mikla, opening up for um, Vila Velo, who honestly I don't, I didn't even know that much about. So I was going to ask you, um, who are you listening to right now? Who do you, who's kind of doing it for you? Um, I have to be honest that the main thing I listen to is proofing the files of project bands. <laughs> I am not very helpful on other stuff these days. <laughs> I listen to a lot of demos, and then I have to listen to a lot of files from the label. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. That's, that's makes sense. I've been checking it out. I've been checking out the the more recent releases and. Um, Definitely uh, heavy in sort of the ethereal direction these days. A lot of more ethereal type stuff that you wouldn't know. Definitely getting into the ethereal ambient electronic veins in the last, I don't know, five years now. Um, mm. There's a new one to Ashes coming later this year. And oh, nice. Then Black Tape for Blue Girl, I just kickstarted the second album, Mesmerized by the Sirens, which I remixed. And so, yeah, there's there's not as many new things, but there's still some of the previous bands thanatos had some stuff in the last uh well gosh it's been three years now two years <laughs> mm. time flies are you kind of in a situation where they're coming to you or are you going to just a barrage of submissions all the time or are you sort of just seeking out what you like and that sort of thing um there are a lot of submissions and then out of that some of it is what i like and and it also has to do with as the label gets more in one direction that's sort of what the fans are looking for mm-hmm. and so something sometimes it's like enjoyable but it's it's just not really what people are looking for from me anymore from project and so there's 
you know, there, there's some things like the Allen Electronico, which is sort of uh, synth pop electronic instrumental. And, you know, I really enjoy the album, but it does seem like it's not exactly what people are expecting from me anymore from Project. And so it's, you know, kind of a little more focused on what's appealing to people. Gotcha. Gotcha. I kind of, I kind of in that spot myself a little bit, not, not with a record label, obviously, but uh, I get more submissions than I have time to deal with. And it's a good spot to be in, you know, it's a good problem to have, but there's a lot of waiting through uh, to find something that really kind of hits you that you want to put on. People might tell me why it wasn't right. And it's just kind of, there's nothing wrong with this, you know, go for it. It's just not quite the right thing for what I'm doing. Speaking of current black tape for blue girl, are you still playing with um, Brian? Is it Vigalone? Yeah, I knew I was gonna screw it up <laughs> from Tristan Tolls. I knew I would well, say it wrong, no matter which way I was. I rolled the dice on Viglione. I didn't know if I was gonna be right or not. It's pretty close. I mean, yes, if, yeah. uh, if I wrote something that needed drums, I would ask Brian to play on it. But the last album didn't have any. It had drum machine, I think, on one song, or you know, but it was a very simple beat. So there wasn't anything on the Clef Serpent that really required Brian. But he um, he records his stuff at home and you know to my backing track on the stuff he's played on recently since i moved out of new york and i haven't started on anything new yet so i can't really say where it might go how'd you hook up with him you guys are just kind of running the same circles or just kind of reach out to him or i had a friend pixie who was a photographer and i was talking about needing a drum a drummer for the tenorotics album and she was in la but she was like you know brian lives near you and i'm like oh yeah really He's like a great drummer that would be amazing so she connected us together and my two favorite drummers are brian and steve jansen who is in japan and i think they're both they're really subtle and their percussion isn't just to fill space but it's what tracks need and sometimes my disinterest in drums have been it's just too much drums for what i want <laughs> and, <laughs> and so you know brian was really creative and you know, you get the feel and figure out what was what was needed without putting everything in, and that's really nice. Do you have sort of a set sort of creative process when it comes to recording a song or an album? Do you have are things in a certain order? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna write this part first, and then I write the lyrics later, or, or is it just is it all case by case depending on the song? Or there's a pretty specific way, which is I sort of go in the studio and just start figuring out things that sound good together and build up the track. And then once I have something, it's usually the music, my part of the music is done. And then I, I figure out if I want someone else to play on it, other, you know, instruments or not. And then I start trying to figure out what the words are. And sometimes, sometimes the song to, tells me, you know, this mood and words come easily. And sometimes they're really tough, but, you know, it's, it's sort of lyrics always come after music, you know, lyric and melody comes later for me. You got pets? You got cats? Yes, I have a cat. Her name is Nova. She's 18. And I, our second album together is coming out next month. 18? Yes, she's an old old oh, kitty. Wow. My first kitty lived to 21. Well, that was my second kitty. But 21. And so, yes. So she, she has like this unique sounding purr. So I thought it would be fun to record it. And then I'm like, what can I do with it? So I, I made it an album. And that that's what that's the only thing you could do that's 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 the right answer to that 
That's exactly what you do with that. <laughs> and the new one has more electronics and processing than the first one. It has one track that's just straight purrs and then two that are musical processed with it. So it's kind of ambient music with purrs as the beat. <laughs> What's her personality like? Is she sort of just laid back now in her old age or is she weird? Well, I got her, I adopted her four years ago when she was already elderly, I guess, according to the pound. But she's um she's really friendly and she but she has her very specific things like her previous owner wouldn't let her on the bed or she had to sit in a certain spot. So she she has these rules in her head that really don't apply anymore, but she still follows them. <laughs> but yeah, she's That's a good great. cat. Mine has a run of the house. She's sat in my lap right now, actually. She's uh, <laughs> she's 17. She's getting up there. Oh, how long have you had her? Uh since she was a kitten. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. She's still pretty pretty healthy. I think she's got some dental issues, but um otherwise she gets around all right. Mm-hmm. She never properly learned how to cat. She doesn't jump on anything, she doesn't like heights, doesn't climb anything or scratch anything. I think she doesn't realize that she can't do that. Yeah, my kitty's the same way. That's good. Well, what's it like uh forty years later? How does that feel? <laughs> that this thing's going for forty years. Did you ever thought that was gonna happen? No, I never even thought I was starting a record label, so it's it's odd <laughs> but you know after i guess i say most businesses most businesses have failed after 10 years let alone after five years and so it sort of reaches a point where it's like yeah it's it's just going to keep going because i guess i know what i'm doing <laughs> it's amazing i mean it's it's i mean you're you guys are legends i mean you're a legend in the scene as far as i'm concerned and um, definitely one of the most important labels out there you know for this sort of thing and a huge influence on my show. I mean, I, I've been playing you for, well, I've been on for 20, 26 years. Yeah, 26 years. I mean, I've been playing you since day one. It just makes the show sound better. So, I mean, you're right up there with, you know, Cleopatra and Metropolis. Um, yeah, they, they both started about a decade after Project. And they're really the other two that have kept going in the USA that come to mind. They, they're both, I mean, they both have bigger artists. They sign larger artists and they, I'm pretty sure, yeah, they both have a much bigger catalog than Project does, but Project's also like, it's gotten very mellow. It's me, Shea works part-time and Joe does mail order in Philadelphia. So it's not like, you know, it's low stress, low drama. So it works good for me. I'm in um, South Carolina and I know how it is down here. I mean, it's, it's a kind of a tiny scene and everybody knows each other, but as far as the cities you're in and, and the sort of the record label world, is that also a relatively small scene? Do you guys all kind of run in the same circles? I mean, do you know the Cleopatra guys and the Metropolis guys and all that kind of thing? I never lived in the same city as Metropolis. I did live in the same city as Cleopatra just when they started. And um, Ethan Maroulis, who sang for Black Tape, has worked at both labels and he's probably the my main connection to each of the labels, Metropolis and Cleopatra is just knowing Ethan. And Ethan and I lived really close together in Brooklyn for quite a while. And so, but there is... I think he's my main connection to music. <laughs> I get more music from that guy <laughs> than anywhere. Yeah, yeah and he's, he's really guy. up on a lot of this, you know, the not Project Pitchfork, the not Gary Newman, this, you know, Eagle Likeness level bands and stuff. He knows so many of them. So he's a really good connection. Okay, cool. Well, um, just real quick before we go, um, is 
you have anything planned specifically for the anniversary or just anything coming up at all? Anything that you want to talk about, promote, get out there? Yeah, I mean, for the anniversary, it's really talking to people like you about it and kind of enjoying knowing that people still care about what did come out and what is coming out. And the label has a lot of releases, both from the the bigger artists who've been on the label and also newer artists. So it's, you know, it's still fun for me hearing new music from people and either the ones we've worked with or just new, new artists. And I just kind of keep doing what I'm doing. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm really glad you do it because, I mean, like I said, you make the show sound better. You make all of our shows sound better. I mean, I appreciate all the work you put in just all these years. Been a big fan since the 90s. So um, I really appreciate you, you know, joining me. And uh, maybe we could do this again sometime down the road, maybe another 40 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this this is going to air on Saturday. I'm right now, as we record this, World Golf Day uh, edition of the show. This is going to go right up against the whole set of project stuff some of my favorite project stuff of um, older stuff and newer stuff so um, i'll definitely do everything i can to keep pushing it out there thank you okay cool cool well, i really appreciate you calling i really appreciate it and um, we'll do this again soon all right thanks for playing the music uh, thank you bye-bye okay so thanks again to uh to sam rosenthal for that interview uh really super nice guy it was really a really nice uh, pleasure to talk to him and um, like I said, we are going to knock out a set of some project stuff, uh, kicking it off with actually Black Tape for a Blue Girl from their most recent album, The Cleft Serpent, and then we'll get into some other uh, project uh, label artists. Quick little set, it's going to be about four or five tracks, and then we'll come back and do a little talk, and then we'll get into our words of wisdom from Uncle Charlie. Dark Entries Goth Radio with uh, DJD is on 90.5 WSC FM Columbia, that's on your radio right now, and... This is actually from the most recent uh, black tape for a Blue Girl album, The Cleft Serpent, with the title track, The Cleft Serpent. We'll knock this little set out and come right back.
Today is the day of my funeral. All my funeral, let the sky be gray. May there be leaves on the ground and mourners all around. And nothing to do for the rest of the day. Before I 
But despite all the pain, I do it all again. And when I thought of home, I thought of you alone, and I loved you the most. And I should have done more for my funeral. I want to recall the things I once loved, like Halloween fire, the shade of trees, the leaves as they turn, the warmth of the bed with you as you burn. The signs have all aligned, and now it is my time. And despite all the pain, I do it all again. And when I thought of home, I thought of you alone, and I loved you the most. And I should have done. For the signs and the wonders, the laughter and the lies. I long for snow and winter cold. The roses grow, but in the snow they die. And now that I'm gone, I just want to say that despite all.
little Lycia to uh, end our project record set there. Again, big thanks to uh, Sam Rosenthal for doing that interview with me. I really appreciate that, and uh, maybe we'll get him on for another one at some point later. Maybe another 40 years, I don't know. But uh, that that, uh, kicked off our little uh, project record set there. We kicked it off with Black Tape for a Blue Girl featuring Sam uh, with The Cleft Serpent from their most recent album, uh, also of the same name. Unto Ashes after that with uh, For My Funeral. Dark Sanctuary, fairly new stuff from them with Solster to that sounds familiar. Wait, wait a minute, that's that Kyle Miko song that you love so much. Actually, it's not. Uh, I kind of flipped out when I saw the album, and I was like, they are not doing a cover. I know they are not. Well, it turns out, actually, yeah, they are not. Um, same title, unrelated song, but um, translates into Such Eyes, by the way, in Icelandic, just so you know. So uh, still really solid track, and uh, Lacey in there with uh, Somewhere Is Her Name, uh, which is a man that... Um, as far as I'm concerned, could do no wrong. I've never heard a single track um, or anything by them I didn't like. So, solid stuff there. All right, kids, uh, we are going to take a little break here. Also, I want to announce real quick before we do that uh, the Crimson Scream Film Fest is happening this weekend right here in Columbia, put on by our very own uh, Tommy Faircloth, a local filmmaker who uh, has worked with um, people like Felissa Rose and uh, Mark Patton, who are both actually guests at the festival uh, right now. And uh, they both starred in, or at least appeared in, uh, Family Possessions, which is a film that he directed and shot entirely in Columbia a few years ago. So, of course, Felissa Rose, you know her from uh, Sleepaway Camp, and uh, and Mark Patton, you know, as uh, Jesse from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. It's kind of, it's weird because, you know, I kind of kind of run in those circles a little bit now, so I kind of know Felissa a little bit at this point because we have, like, mutual friends and stuff. But uh, the horror world is actually really, relatively small. It's, it's kind of odd how, how everyone sort of knows each other, but... So that's happening this weekend, so if you're looking for something to do, uh, hopefully you kids have already been out there, but it's obviously going to still be going on tomorrow. Uh, they're there, PJ Souls is there, and uh, Joe Bob Briggs, of all people, actually. i got to check to see if he was a Saturday-only guest or if he's going to be there tomorrow. I'm not entirely sure, but you can check it out at uh, crimsonscreenfilmfest.com if you're in uh, the Carolinas area, if you're in Columbia especially, or if you just want to make the trip, uh, come down. You can meet Felissa. Uh, Mark Patton, uh, Joe Bob Briggs, of all people, and uh, PJ Souls. All the above I've met except for Joe Bob, so uh, I'm going to try to see maybe if I can make that happen tomorrow. I'm not sure if I'm going to be out there tomorrow or not, or if he's going to be there tomorrow. But um, the rest of those guys I've actually all met several times. Really good people. Yeah, and Tommy Faircloth himself, really solid guy, solid director, and a really cool guy. Um, If you run in the, the sort of film scene in Columbia at all, uh, you know that name. Speaking of which, uh, one guy who won't be there is actually Chris Bickle, another uh, local director who I've worked with, and normally he would be there, but he's not because he's shooting his other movie uh, this weekend, So, uh, which is Peter Noster, and that's coming out uh, whenever it comes out, probably next year sometime. But um, I, 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 you know, friend of mine going back forever and uh, amazing filmmaker. Uh, I've been lucky enough to sort of uh, be involved in the last uh, couple of movies, movie, of his movies showing up as an extra here and there. So if you're, you know, if you're eagle-eyed enough, you'd You'd see me uh, in the last two, but uh, so that's uh, that's that. Check out the festival, and we are going to take a little break here, as we usually do. You know what it's all about. You know what time it is. It's time for Uncle Charlie. He's going to come back and uh, talk to us a little bit, and then we'll do a little Uncle Charlie set, and then we'll get into uh, some World Goth Day stuff in the second hour. We're going to knock out a Bad Cave set and also some new releases to end the show, and all that's coming right after this. On the road again. Nearly 700,000 Americans were arrested on marijuana charges last year. That's an enormous waste of law enforcement resources and terribly unfair to those arrested and their families. 
It's time we stopped arresting adults who smoke marijuana responsibly. For more information, visit Normal's website at www.normal.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL and tell them Willie sent you.
okay? Tex, Tex is a rumpkin. He came to town. He's his mama's boy. The prostitute took his money. He said, he said, can I live with you? I said, can you live with me? He said, yeah. I said, well, let me have that pickup truck. So he gave me an old pickup truck in Texas, okay? So I got this old pickup truck, and uh, I'm letting him stay around the ranch. He's hanging around the ranch. A lot of guys like to hang around me because I'm underground. I'm what you call cool. I'm what everybody tries to be. When I'm down on the street, I ride a motorcycle. I got a lot of girls. I sing a lot of music. I play. I'm him. I'm, I, you know, that's my road. I, I, you know, for a while until they grab me up and put me back in the cage again.
Tears there to enter a little Manson set. Uh, this is a track called Crypt from an album of the same name, also called Crypt, uh, which came out April 28th. And uh, we had our words of wisdom in there from Uncle Charlie. And uh, underlying music for that was uh, Nails of Christ with a track called Thou Art, Thou Art My God. And you are tuned in to the one and only Dark Entries Goth Radio 90.5 WSCFM Columbia. Uh, and now we enter into the second hour of the show. Hope you guys are digging it so far. Big shout out to everybody on uh, on the Face Place and uh, on the, all the other um, all the other socials for keeping me company tonight. Uh, thanks for listening to uh, Operator OT and Olin and everyone else. Um, Operator OT, by the, by the way, DJ of Half Machine Lip Moves, uh, which comes on Sunday night on a station out of uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. You can check that out at halfmachinelipmoves.com. You can find out all the information for listening uh, where you are. Solid show. If you like this show, you'll definitely love that show. He's uh, influenced this show quite a bit over the years. And, uh, yeah, that's that's it. Uh, let's get to the second hour of the show. Uh, Monday night, or Monday, rather, is World Goth Day. So we are going to celebrate in our own little way by going back to the stuff that's my bread and butter, my uh, the stuff I love the most, which is the uh, the old trad goth Batcave era. Uh, not that, you know, anything post-mid-'80s isn't, isn't good, because God knows a lot of it is. And I will be playing some new releases coming up after that, but uh, the stuff that I love the most that makes my darn little heart happy is, uh, you know, that era, which is the stuff I discovered first, you know, when I discovered Cleopatra's first uh, goth rock compilation. That was um, my introduction to most of these bands that you're going to play now, or that you're going to hear in just a second. Actually, all the bands that I'm going to play in this set are on that compilation, with the exception of Susie and the Banshees. I think I remember, I could be remembering this wrong, but I think I remember from the liner notes inside that cassette, I still have the cassette, I think there's actually a mention of them reaching out to Susie to see if they could use um, some of their stuff for the thing, and they just kind of declined. <laughs> They're just like, we're not a goth band. Uh, I have a feeling that uh, uh, Robert Smith would give you uh, the same answer, but maybe not even as polite. <laughs> so, I love Robert Smith so much. I love that like in his older age, he's becoming sort of, sort of grumpier and, uh, and and he just has no patience at all for reporters and their nonsense. Um, more and more I'm seeing little clips of him just not having it. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. So, uh, of course, you probably, have, if you're listening to this show, you probably already know, you know, Susie has been on tour recently uh, playing a handful of dates. Just see yourself with, I guess, a backing band, not the Banshees or anything, but playing loads of Banshee stuff. So uh, not going to come anywhere near here at all, unfortunately. But um, it's really cool to see her still out there doing it. I think she's like 67, 68, something like that. And uh, it's the first stuff she's done in over 10 years. So to kind of see her out there on stage, still running around, still singing the stuff and, and sounding great is really cool. I just wish that she would, uh, you know, come here. But we mostly can't have nice things, although there are some really cool shows coming up. So um, I think uh, not so much tonight, but uh, next week or in the next episode or whatever, we'll, we'll get into some announcements about some really cool stuff that's actually going to be coming to town, including um, Not My God uh, featuring uh, Skold and Nirabellum from uh, Cyclone 9. They're going to be playing New Brooklyn Tavern, of all things, here in town uh, coming up pretty soon. So I'll be talking more about that. Of course, I'll be at that show. All right, uh, let's get into our Batcave era because World Goth Day is in a couple of days, and uh, there's really nothing more Batcave Goth era than Specimen. Um, a friend of my only, of course, Specimen, obviously, owners of the Batcave back in the day. Get your fishnets out. Here we go. <laughs>
understand you're undeceiving And it's sad the breach comes with the peace <laughs> This is what you want, hell it's kiss seeking one answer by venturing into a place called the Bat Cave, just off Carnaby Street, where things happen on Wednesdays. Very curious. To the Bat Cave. Louise, the blonde girl on the left, Wednesday night at the Bat Cave is a special weekly treat. She's unemployed. You obviously get cold prime if you've got a spiky hair, don't you? Do you call yourself a punk, Louise? Well, it's just that you get classified. Yeah, obviously you do. It's like the way you dress the people you hang around with. It's all based on something which is a little bit real. I mean, it's the people that make the atmosphere. You know, it's it, it, it's not um, suck your cheeks in and, 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 and pose in the corner. It's very friendly. And it's it, it's basically, it's about fun. And it's about having your tongue firmly in your cheek. But, you know, and, and being able to laugh at the realities of the thing. Oh, God. 
All right, kids, uh, let's get into our Bat Cave set in honor of World Goth Day coming up on Monday. Uh, you probably know what all those tracks are, but I'll go ahead and give you the rundown anyway. Start off with uh, Specimen with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Bauhaus in there with The Passion of Lovers, Susie and the Banshees with Monitor, Alien Sex Fiend with I'm Her Frankenstein, and we just heard Sex Gang Children with Shout and Scream. That is my uh, bread and butter faux show. Uh, it's my favorite era of the goth scene uh, forever and ever and ever. So uh, we've got uh, time for one more set. We're going to knock out some new releases. Uh, as we do here, and some really exciting stuff to come out in the last few months, as it always does, because we just have this embarrassment of riches in the last few years of, of solid goth, post-punk, dark disco, whatever you want to call it, releases that just keep coming out. It's more than I can almost even keep up with, but I've selected some of my favorites from the last, uh, I want to say, see, looking at it, it looks like the last month or so. Almost all of it came out around late August, no, I'm sorry, late April, so most of this, yeah, pretty much all of this is like either a month or, or even not even a month old, just a few weeks old. And the next uh, episode, we're going to have Almost entirely new releases, because there are so many that it's going to fill up a whole show for sure. So Coming up um, in this one is, one of the ones that has me the most excited is Belgrado. I discovered them a few years ago with a handful of tracks that I was playing the heck out of on the show. And the fact that they just put out a whole new album is is really, uh, got me really jazzed. The Bellwether Syndicate is going to be next up after that with a track called We All Rise from a new album called Vestige and Vigil. And uh, I had the pleasure of meeting those guys a while back when uh, Clan of Zymox actually came... I couldn't believe it. They came to Greenville and played at the radio room. So when I saw them, the uh, Bellwether Syndicate opened up for them and a really, really cool band. And I uh, finally got to meet Scary Lady Sarah, <laughs> who uh, I've followed and and and, uh, and talked to online a little bit for years and years and years. She's always been really cool. So it was really cool to actually finally meet her in person, as well as William uh, Faith from uh, Faith and the Muse. So coming up the set also is going to be those two tracks and then some other nice surprises. And we're going to end strong with the, uh, the new one from Blood Ceremony, which uh, is a pretty pretty cool way to end the show so that's all come up this one brand new releases set we'll do that we'll come back do a little bit of talk and then get the heck out of here on your dark entries goth radio 9.5 wusc fm columbia broadcasting hd1 here's the new belgrado to kick it off
dark place. She's beautiful, and she'll be waiting for you, waiting to love you to death. The Velvet Vampire. She'll love you to death. And on the same bill, this second horror shocker. What was the strange secret which lay concealed behind the forbidden doors of the Castle of Blood? The Demon Lover, it may be the last sound you will hear.
All right, new blood ceremonies in the show. That's going to be the last proper track of the show tonight with Ipsismus. That goes out to a uh, longtime listener and a friend of the show, Ipsismus Mokata, uh, a.k.a. Ipsy, a.k.a. that bastard. The show sounds better because I know Ipsy, actually. He's one of those guys, much like Operator OT, who's um, turned me on to a lot of bands who I wouldn't have played otherwise, including Blood Ceremony. Actually, I probably would not. I may, I don't know, I kind of run in those circles now, but I kind of, I may not have been turned on to Blood Ceremony when I was, if not for Old Ipsy. So, um, yeah, he's the guy that kind of got me into doom metal, just in general. So, yeah, big thanks to him for uh, that. So that's uh, it's dedicated to him for sure. And um, kick the set off there with Belgrado with the Intra Apogeum uh, from an album of the same name that came out on April 28th. The Bellwether Syndicate after that with uh, We All Rise from the album Vestige and Vigil. Also came out April 28th. Uh, VMV Nation with their brand new track Sunflare from a new album called Electric Sun. Also April 28th was when they came out. Girls Under Glass from a track called uh, Dream Yourself Away. And we just heard uh, Blood Ceremony with Ipsismus from the new album Old Ways Remain. A really solid album um, if you're into uh, doom metal at all or if you're just into good metal um, or flutes. <laughs> Blood ceremony is uh, highly recommended, and that's going to uh, that's going to end the show. That's it. That's been our World uh, Goth Day edition of the show. Happy World Goth Day for everybody, uh, which is going to happen on Monday. Also, another big thanks to Sam Rosenthal for uh, sitting down with me in uh, in the week and recording that interview. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy that. I'll have this episode uploaded to the podcast uh, most likely tomorrow, uh, if not tomorrow, then sometime on Monday. That's at darkinteriesgothradio.podbean.com. You can also catch me on all the socials at at, at Dark Entries DJD. That's on Instagram and Twitter, and also on Facebook at the only thing called Dark Entries Goth Radio. Possible more social channels to come, because God Almighty, we just can't get away from it. All right, that's going to do it. And we're going to get out of here with some required Rocky Horror, and I will see you same bat channel, same bat time, Saturday nights, 8 to 10 on the next one of Dark Entries Goth Radio. Thanks so much for listening tonight. Happy World Goth Day. I went around to the night and see what I can get up to. The day the earth stood still But he told us Where we stand And Flash Gordon was there In silver underwear Claude Rains was the invisible man Then something went wrong For Fay Ray and King Kong They got caught in a celluloid jam space and this is how the message ran
Sure. 